This week on Football Neophytes, we are all crying Lamina's tears. Var shambles. Does Wes Brom have a chance? Chris helps us solve the offsides debacle. We're going to talk about the great con, Lester's bad boys. We're going to give a little promotion preview, and Kyle picks his final four. what's up buddy what's going on Nate? hey man this is back to the old school kyle's under the weather today feels like home a little bit it does it feels like home but we do miss kyle we hope he feels better and gets back to us soon uh he is meant to reveal his final four today so we are gonna have to edit that in he's going to in the morning hopefully after a good night's sleep getting some rest he's going to record uh an audio of him revealing his final four, which I will edit in and it'll just sound like he was with us the whole time. Just very quiet. Yep. Yep. I'm excited. I have no idea where he's going. We're uh, going to make our predictions though. Yeah. We're definitely going to guess. Cause that's what we do best here is guess. <laughs> is it? Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, uh, well let's, let's dive into the week. Um, I think you want to hit about uh, your wolves, right? Yeah. Wolves, uh, probably the most boring match I've ever watched. It was 90 minutes of boredom followed by each, each, the end of each half had like a minute of excitement. Um, seriously, I, it was so boring. Wolves situation is so boring. So what's funny about that is I would have had I, – I actually watched a lot of the game at work, um, but you would have no idea checking Twitter afterwards or during the match that it was an absolutely boring game because everybody was freaking out at the end of the first half and then the end of the second half. So it's like you would have no idea that of the 90 minutes, there was about two consequential minutes in the entire game. Yeah. And they were both in, in extra time. I mean, it was so, it was so brutal at the end of the first half. Um, Wolves had um, a, a goal called offsides. Uh, William Jose, unfortunately, who has just done nothing for Wolves since he's, he's come over in January, finally gets a great header in and he's in great position Um kind of what we expected and what we wanted when we brought him over header in then there's a signal for var you know they're showing the lines it looks clear that neto is on side but sure enough they overturn it says no no goal and uh yeah it was and we'll talk about the the rule itself in a second but apparently it's true that his arm was further forward than the defender's arm, I guess, or shoulder. I mean, it just, it seems like there's no rhyme or reason to the call. So, so that ends the first half. Um, and then second half was pretty boring as well, but right at the end, Fabio Silva, who came on and has looked just great. Um, he's still not starting, but, um, you can tell he's 
gotten more accustomed to premier league. He's put on a little weight. He looks like he's a bit more like stable out there. He just got pushed around so much when he first uh, was thrust into starting after Raul got hurt. So uh, Fabio Silva with just a beautiful through ball to Treore. Treore just uses speed and his power drives down the field and just a thunder rocket into the top of the net. I mean, just, I mean, just a freaking blast um, to win the game right, right at the last minute. So super exciting two minutes and 90 minutes of boredom, but you could see the celebrations Adame and um, the rest of the guys. I mean, they were just, they were going ballistic. It was a big, it was a big win for wolves. Mostly because it got them to the 38 point mark. It got them 12 points clear of relegation, um, which not that there was a huge fear that they'd be relegated, but I do think what this allows and what I hope it allows Nuno to do is um, experiment a little bit. Like, he wants to go with this four, uh, two, three, one lineup. I think he should go for it and he should like play some of the young guys, some of the bad news that came out today. And this just goes into the horrible luck wolves have had is that Pedro Neto, um, has to have knee surgery. He's been our young stud. He's been our best player this of the year. He's going to be out for six months. Um, mm-hmm brutal. I mean, the wolves injury situation has just been brutal between Raul, which everyone knows Johnny having a second ACL issue. And now Neto, we were without Bali on defense because of COVID. And then the other news that came out today is that Ruben Neves has COVID. So he'll miss, miss the Sheffield United match. So wolves have just really been hit hard, but again, like now that they're, they're 12 points clear, 38 points, I, I don't care if we finish 17th if Nuno tries to get some of the youngsters out there and give give them a chance. Yeah, that's that sucks about Neto. It really it, does. It was like I see all these rumors all the time about like transfers and stuff because that's fun to talk about in, in uh, football. Of course. Um, but it was kind of weird a couple of weeks ago to see rumors about Neto being transferred. I wonder if that was just because at the, you know, they could get such a good fee for him probably. Um, I think know. it's just rumors though. It's people yeah. looking at guys on young, cl- on like lower market clubs, people from big clubs looking at the lower mid market, lower market clubs, and then dreaming about getting their best players. For sure. And I think that's probably just how it goes. Cause you know, United fans were dreaming over, Holland and the possibility there and um, well and last year was Traore right like all right. the rumors that Traore was going to go to Man U or that they were looking at him and so yeah so it sucks to hear that obviously that probably eliminates him from the transfer market For sure yeah if, if he was even going to be on there but just sad to see young talent get hurt hope hope for a, a full speedy recovery because um, those young guys I mean they're just fun to watch. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Especially, I mean, wolves have just been, it's been a bad, it's been a bad injury year for wolves. So for sure. They say, you know, uh, that what is it? Uh, they say 40 points is usually the relegation safety. Yeah. I even think it's a little lower than that, like 38, but, um, that's right where you're at now. So, yep. 
Yeah, I don't know if you saw the end of the match, though. Uh, Lamina walking off the pitch was crying. Um, I didn't see that. I think I think that that kind of tells you everything about Fulham's situation now. I mean, it wasn't too long ago where it seemed certain that Fulham was going to overtake Newcastle. You know, your prediction that they would take take over at the end of the at the end of the season in that last match. Not that it's totally out of the realm of possibility, but gosh, it looks like Newcastle is going to squeak in again, which is so lame. Yeah, it's not looking good for that prediction. Uh, There's six points clear. Newcastle has a game in hand on them as well. Yeah. Um, you know, you could actually look at them being closer to Burnley and Brighton right now. Yeah. We're both sitting at 33 points, so there's seven points ahead. But at least – but even those teams have a game in hand. It's just, it's, it's kind of weird that city and Fulham have played more games than anyone else at this point, which for city, it's like, whatever, but for Fulham, it like legitimately matters. You have to keep yeah. that in mind when you're looking at, you know, can they pull out of this? And it just, it doesn't seem like it's going to be possible at this point. But can, can West Brom though? Like West oh. Brom has won two in a row. Um, so now the question is, can West Brom catch, catch Newcastle? The answer to that is no. Okay. <laughs> it, I understand. It's fun to talk about. They've won two games in a row. Um, but listen to this, Nate, because I started thinking about this over the weekend too, when they won again. And I thought maybe they could pull out. Maybe that that'll be the team that gets out. Cause I, I've talked about it before. I love it when the new teams get to stay up. So yeah. I, there's something just inherently in me cheering for the promoted teams to stay up for a year, maybe two. That would be awesome, right? And uh, so I looked at West Brom's schedule, and this is why I just am going to flat out say there's no chance because they have seven matches left, and they're against Leicester, Villa, Wolves, Arsenal, Liverpool, West Ham, and Leeds. That is a murder's row of the final seven games. Um, you know, sadly, the, the only game where you feel maybe they'll take points is against Wolves. Um, but that's a Derby game, right? Derby match, which is probably why, I mean, they beat us last match. So yeah, but you just, Villa is also, Villa is also a Derby for them. Okay. So, and, and that game is at Villa. So, um, if you're looking at the schedule and doing the math, it didn't work out. Yeah. So. Yeah. That so so now the question then is is Fulham our last chance or are we stuck with Newcastle for another year? Well, I I think we're stuck with Newcastle for another year. It just doesn't look possible. I can't can't make the math work. They you know, Fulham closes out with Arsenal, Chelsea, two tough games. Uh they've got Burnley, Southampton in between in between closing with United and Newcastle, there's still points out there for them that they could get. Um, they've got to turn it on. I mean, they're, they're at the point now where they can't lose any more points. Yeah. You know, and even if they take, you know, like if they can draw against Arsenal and Chelsea, fantastic. Those two points would be huge, but they've got to beat Burnley South and obviously Newcastle, and there's no way in hell I'm going to cheer for them to beat United. So uh, <laughs> it's, it's going to be tough. Gonna be tough for Fulham. Yeah, it it really is. I mean, I think 
you you could see it on the faces of the the players after the Wolves match that it they it kind of felt like they knew that that they didn't have they don't have a chance. Yeah, but we should we should talk about Newcastle's run. Newcastle has West Ham, Liverpool, Arsenal, Leicester, Man City. Not easy. And no, that's, I mean, that's a tough, that's a tough run. That's a zero point run right there. <laughs> that's a zero point run. And then they finish with Sheffield and Fulham. So it's basically like, I mean, it, again, there's a lot that's got to still happen, but um, maybe Fulham still does have a chance, but I think yeah. Lamina's tears are a signal of what's to come. Yeah, I think in all this, I, I lost track of how hard that Newcastle run or is, is at the end of the season. So there's still that slight glimmer. It's just not looking as good as it was when I made the prediction a few weeks ago and they were, you know, got, they were within like one or two points, weren't they? And they were playing they, well. So yeah, that's they, the other yeah. factor. So, yeah, it's, it's sad. But come on, Fulham, pick your heads up. Let's play. Let's do yep. this. <laughs> Um, so I'm not being, I, the VAR situation to be, to be honest, I think wolves have, haven't had a met a lot of horrible VAR situations go against them this year. I think last year there was a lot more that we griped about, um, injuries have been the issue this year for wolves, but there were two other instances this weekend. Um, one, Diego Jota got called offsides for Liverpool and it, it was essentially the same as Neto. Like doesn't seem to be any reason why he would be offsides there. But then the other one was Tarkowski for Burnley with full on high kick to the head um, and no call. I don't even know if they went to review. I, I have to believe they didn't go to review because I don't know how you could review that and um, and make no call out of it. So VAR is still in shambles. Um, but Chris, you have a solution, right, to offsides. I don't yeah. think it's – by the way, for, the, for our true football fans, I don't think this is a totally novel solution, but it does seem like the most, like, logical solution. Yeah, and, and this is – we could add the uh, Scott McTominay son fiasco yeah. to VAR's terrible weekend, which we'll hit when we get yeah, to we'll, this week. We will. Yep. Um, but it seems like the ones that blow everyone's mind the most is when they start drawing lines and you've got the parallel lines to the pitch of where like the furthest is. And then they draw the vertical line from whatever they're deeming as the furthest out accessible part of the body that they're deeming is usable in the game. Um, it just seems so dumb. And when they post these pictures and I just, it blows my mind and it feels like there's just the easiest solution in the world is that the defenders furthest out foot is the line. And the feet are the only things that matter in this case, because you're not allowed to use your hands to score in football. 
It's called football. So why is it not already the rule that the feet are setting the precedence? And I thought about this from the American aspect. Is it just feet or you think knees? Like what, no. how, would you, how would you define it? I'm going with the foot. Wherever the foot is, that is the offsides line, right? And I thought about American sports. The only sport that doesn't really use um, the foot as the in and out marker of the body is American football. It does and it doesn't. It does along the sidelines, but it doesn't at the line of scrimmage. Or goal line. Right. So, um, but every other sport is bound by where your feet are. In basketball, you can lean way out of bounds and have the ball over the line, as long as your feet are inbounds on the court, you're fine. And that that's kind of the precedence for just about every sport that I can think of, except for uh, football. <clears throat> and my what I was thinking about with American football and why they don't necessarily use it for everything is because the line of scrimmage is a solid line at every point of every play. It doesn't move based on where players are. Yeah. And because players are allowed to line up in different formations or sets, they use different parts of the body. Like you can't put your helmet into the neutral zone if you're down in a three point stance, you're off sides. But if you're standing and you're up, you can kind of lean into it and they'll never call it. Um, but there's always a line, but it's it's dedicated, it's set. It doesn't change based on like, you know, oh, the quarterback's in shotgun, therefore the line of scrimmage is now three and a half yards behind where we, you know, that doesn't exist. Yeah. So I, for the life of me, and it could just be the American in me that, that goes like, like, this is the easiest, most simple, obvious solution. Like, why don't they put it into play or even consider it? Yeah. I mean, it feels like, at least from the fans' perspective, there's a huge cry for an overhaul of of VAR um, in at least in relation to offsides in the off season. The question is, will they do it? And even if you change it to the feet where it's still subject to interpretation. Right. And so um, I agree with you. I'm just saying, I think no matter what, as soon as you're reviewing things and you insert the element of human error, you're going to have people, you know, pissed because someone makes a mistake or interprets it differently. Right. So, um, but I do, I like, I like your offside solution. I do think it makes more sense to have whatever foot, if your foot's ahead, you're offsides. Yeah. And I think, uh, you know what it was for me and I don't, I don't remember what match it was, but it was earlier in the season and it's the same situation where their feet are basically in line, but um, I want to say it was actually a Leeds game, but, and I think it was, Patrick Bamford, he points forward to tell his player where to pass the ball. Totally. And because he was pointing to where he wanted the ball, his arm was now offsides, even though his body was behind the defenders, but his arm reached out across. I was like, this is the dumbest rule. This has got to be the dumbest shit I have ever heard of in sports that that made you offsides in a disallowed goal because you were calling for the pass with your arm. Like that blew my mind. That's what I was like. This is ridiculous. And I, th- I think it's on the Jota goal, if I remember correctly, or the Jota offsides. He's essentially just standing there. Like, he, he's standing there to, to, like, ensure that he's not offsides, you know? He's not even a part of the play at that point. And so, um, 
and I understand it matters like in the buildup and all that stuff, but um, I hate that we're talking about it. It's super frustrating. It's frustrating <laughs> as fans, but it is a point of conversation still. It is for sure. And it seems like every week there's another decision that riles up a fan base or two. I would say though, it, I would say it feels like there's less of it this year. And maybe again, because wolves, I don't think have been victim to it as much as last season, but this weekend, it kind of all came to the head again, where it felt like here's two ridiculous offsides calls, this no call on, um, on Tarkowski and obviously the man U situation as well. So why don't we talk about Manchester United and then yeah. Spurs, the Let's Jose Derby. <laughs> so we were talking about it a little bit beforehand. We, before we started recording, but this as a fan of Manchester United in my two years of being a fan of theirs, um, this was the most enjoyable match I've had. And it was enjoyable for a lot of reasons and not just because they won. Obviously that certainly is the kicker, um, but it had a little bit of everything. Um, you had, you know, the history of these two clubs and how far back they go and being top six teams or big six teams, I should say, cause they're not actually a top six team anymore. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you've got Jose and, you know, the shit show that he created at United in his two years of being there. Um, you know, you've got, um, a bar decision that was everyone, it seems like there's still not even a conclusive opinion on right or wrong on it. Um, but basically in the first half, it was going back and forth. It was really fun to watch. Um, United scores, McTominay breaks away from Sun, uh, passes it over to Pogba. Pogba dribbles in, nutmegs his defender to Cavani. Cavani nutmegs the goalkeeper for the goal. All of a sudden they start reviewing it. And you see... As McTominay is getting by Sun, Sun reaches out to kind of grab him to slow him down. McTominay goes to brush his arm off and as a result hits Sun in the cheek. Sun drops to the ground like he just got shot, stays down for the whole review. The, you know, training staff comes out and tends to him and they keep showing this replay of him like getting brushed in the face by McTominay. And sure enough, they decide that that was a penalty and uh, they took away the goal, even though it had nothing to do with the play because he was already by son. Cause it happened and, in the lead up to the goal. Yeah. I mean, that kills me. I just, I, I'll probably never understand how they, they can call that, but whatever. So VAR disallows this goal because, you know, son drops to the ground and cries and, you know, the commentators were all over the place. Was that, was that the right decision or not? The halftime crew all over the place. Some yes, some no. Um, I think the thing that most people came to was that that is never called. And the fact that the, the, uh, the referee is watching the play, like he's yeah. staring at McTominay and Son. They even did a session where they showed the replay with his vision light. I like saw that. Where, that was cool. The ref looked, they had it highlighted. So you can that see was what awesome. he was looking at. Yep. And he's staring right at it. He sees it happen. He sees the pass. 
and he doesn't call anything. Totally. So I, I struggle with VAR stepping in in that situation and then the ref going over and him looking at the replay of it and then deciding I didn't get it right in the moment. I don't know. And you, the other That's thing. That's where the letter of the law, I think, is what's the frustrating part of VAR, right? Is when you watch the replay, he smacks him in the face. The letter of the law is that's a foul. Yeah. You watch it at full speed. Even you watch the replay and you're like, yeah, that incidental contact happens all the freaking time, you know? Yeah. Um, so did he hit him in the face? Yeah, he did. So I guess it's a penalty, but it shouldn't be. I mean, yeah. that's like that, right? Like that's, that's what's frustrating. Yeah, for sure. And so, you know, it was all over the place as a, as the, as the fan of the team that had the goal taken away, it makes you more mad. Um, I'm sure all the Spurs reporters out there were like, no, they got the call, right. You clearly touched him in the face. So that is what it is, but not even four minutes later, Sun comes down and scores and Spurs go up one, nothing. And as United fan, you're just livid, you know, it was, you know, right before half, I think it was the 40th minute. Um, but Spurs going to half up 1-0 instead of down 1-0 or even tied 1-1. Um, and so it was frustrating at halftime. And then you listen to them talk about VAR for 20 minutes. And you're like, God, you just want this to end. Yeah. Um, and United comes out and just puts a hammer on them in the second half. They hammered them so much. Fred freaking scored. Fred <laughs> doesn't ever score. That was when his I second. Saw- Goal when I saw he score, when I saw him score, I was like, "Oh, Chris is gonna have a field day with this one," <laughs> which is funny because I had I had a tweet. Look, I will I will criticize our players for their play. If they're not playing well, I have no problem calling them out. What I hate about the depths of hell that is United fandom is that people start talking about race and and all that stuff with players and. And it just goes too far. Like I will never get into any of that aspect with anybody. It doesn't matter who they are. Like I'm not going there because, you know, race beliefs, all that stuff has nothing to do with the sport, but I'll call you out for your bad play. And, and Fred was having a bad game and he basically got gifted a goal. Um, He makes a, he makes a nice pass in. Um, I'm trying to remember, I think it was Cavani or Pogba shot it and the keeper saved it. And Fred's just right there to tap right it. In. It was yep. great. And look, I'm happy when Fred scores because that's my team. Like, I love it. And the, the, to see the guys react to Fred and, and him scoring was equally as fun. Like, you can tell that they love that guy. And, you know, for me, sitting at home thousands of miles away across the sea to say, like, oh, he's a bad passer. Like, yeah, but you don't know what goes into his game. And, of course. And with yeah. the guys and everything. So that was super fun. And then um, Ole makes a couple good subs. He brings, he takes Rashford out who has been dealing with a lot of injuries and he was kind of up and down the whole game. Um, But he brings Mason Greenwood in and within minutes, just a beautiful goal from Greenwood puts this perfect crossover to Cavani for a header. Um, They take the lead two one in like the 80th minute. And then Greenwood scores right at the end of the game, 95th, 96th minute to make it three, one on a, just a laser by the goalie. Um, it was so enjoyable. The second half was so much fun to watch. You had United beating 
Spurs, you had United be, beating Jose, you had the afterward awkwardness between the coaches, you had the afterward awkwardness between Luke Shaw and Jose and Ole kind of intervening on like Jose reaching out to shake a hand and Ole grab Luke's hand and shakes it instead. Um, and you just, it was just, there was so much there and it was so fun. The game itself was fun because it was action both ways, both teams going both ways could have gone either way. Um, and, and the last thing I'll add two more things and we can move on or we can talk a little bit more depth, but Paul Pogba was incredible on Saturday. He didn't score, um, but he was unbelievable for the whole match. I had a tough time. Like, people asking like, Oh, who do you think man of the match was? And it, it came down to three guys. Actually it came down to Cavani who was awesome. He had one disallowed goal. He had one goal counted. He was making runs like they've it's never like seen. He does. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. His MO. Yeah. So Pogba Cavani on the offensive side were amazing, but Dean Henderson has grabbed a hold of the number one keeper spot at United. Um, he's been starting all the Premier League games since De Gea had a child. De Gea's playing the Europa games right now. Dean Henderson was awesome. They don't win that game if De Gea's in goal. Henderson makes three great saves in the match. And then not to mention he had three where he came all the way out of his box to clear the ball on breakaways that if he sits back another second, they're coming in one on zero. So Henderson – Hold on, though. The question with him, though, is was he wearing the hat? That's my question. You know what? He was not wearing a hat. You know what's funny about that's why he allowed a goal. If he was wearing the hat, there's no way Sonny puts that ball in. Yeah. Uh, He almost got to that that ball, though. Um, It's funny because, like, Henderson's a good looking dude and he looks good out there on the pitch. And I will never forgive him for wearing a hat last year or two years ago, whatever that was. I'd still last year he'll wear it again. He's yeah, gonna wear it as hey, a man U fan or as hey, a man U player. If he plays how he did on Saturday, he can wear a hat all he wants because that was some of the best goalkeeping I've seen all season. That's great. Well, the thing that's interesting to me is yeah, the match is one thing, but the thing that's most fun for me is Jose meltdowns, Ole saying crazy stuff ole making ridiculous statements (laughs) i mean one i love it that ole calls him sunny ole calls him sunny and (laughs) it's like he watched the documentary as well but and it's also confusing because he's like talking about his son and how if his son were to do that on the pitch, he wouldn't feed him. I mean, it's so bizarre. The interchange between them is so bizarre, but um, what do you call it? The great con, like we're not going to get conned. We're not going to get conned by, by, by son. Um, and then Jose, he, he basically gives Jose everything Jose needs to get out of actually talking about how crappy his team is all he had to do was sit there and talk about insanity jose's smart there was one line of reasoning i don't even know what he said but the sentence made absolutely no sense whatsoever and i i was like listening to it and i'm like i think jose it's easy to write it off as oh that's his broken english but I actually think he just started saying words at the end, knowing like they'll just write it off as my broken English because 
it was uh it was such a bizarre press conference are you talking about bread is bread and cheese is cheese <laughs> no it's before that bread is bread bread is bread and cheese is cheese which i don't know if they say that in portugal or not but he said that that's what they say in portugal there's some some term but no there was something he said earlier in that press conference that it was so bizarre but that's jose that's some prime jose stuff right there um but it, he did make me laugh when he said uh sunny sunny is very lucky his father is not ole <laughs> that made me laugh like Jose is good for some things. And one of those is being entertaining. Um, you got to wonder with him. I mean, we've talked about it a few times. Are they going to go forward with him in the next year? I think it's tough to see that. Um, well, and you look, I mean, you Spurs, if you're a Spurs fan, you gotta, you gotta be watching PSG and what Pochettino's doing over there with PSG. And you've got to, you gotta be wishing you had Pochettino back. I mean, granted PSG has some of the best players in the world. They're an elite level team, but it's not too long ago that PS that uh, Tottenham was in the finals of the champions league. So um, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I, I can't imagine Jose being there too much longer. I mean, right now Tottenham's in seventh. Or eighth. Uh, they're in seventh right now. They're in seventh. So they're they're in the play-in rounds for Europa, but that's not that's not the expectations they have there at Spurs. So yeah, and it's not like it's not like they don't have talent, right? Like of course. It's been a pretty big drop-off from where they started the season and how they played early. And it was like, holy cow, Kane and Son up front is unstoppable. Yeah. And, and, you know, Kane, Kane and Son are still monsters, but no one else on that team is really performing and they have guys who are performers. And so it's tough for me to see a way that they keep him around. Um, This could be a, this is going to be a really interesting off season for Spurs. Um, They've got to make a decision on Harry Kane. Kane's got to make a decision on them. He's a, he's an unrestricted free agent. His contract's up. So he can leave and walk if he wants and they get nothing. It's, yep. it's you know, it's not a transfer situation. So they've got to decide. I think they were talking in the broadcast, like, is he worth, you know, a hundred million, 150 million at his age. Um, and they've got to figure that out because I'll be honest. There's a lot of talk that Cavani's leaving United. It sounds like he wants to go home which would be understandable. Um, it stings a little bit considering how well he played this weekend. You want to keep him around. Um, but he's old too. So, you know, right. he's, he's at the tail end of his career and can pretty much choose to play where he wants. Yeah. And so I would welcome Harry Kane to Manchester United without any problems or issues. He would be yeah. An amazing number nine to plug into that front for, I mean, you talk about someone who is going to, strike terror and guys playing up there with you know hopefully Pogba's back with Pogba Bruno and Kane up front in your front three triangle I mean oh yeah that's terrifying so it's gonna be a really interesting Spurs offseason they've got to deal with Harry Kane first and then they gotta you know I don't know I don't know what goes into these decisions from a managerial standpoint and the you know head of house 
um, do they talk to players and try and figure out what happened in the locker room? Like, where did things go so sideways, right? Like, it, it seems like it wasn't that long ago where Jose was talking about, you know, we're the best team in the league, but we just lost today. Uh, but it's okay. We're still only two points out to now they're sitting in seventh. If Everton, Everton's got a game in hand on them. If Everton wins that they're in eighth. Yeah. So, uh, you know, by no means are they any sort of sure thing to even stay in seventh. For sure. Yeah, no, that's it. It'll be interesting to see what happens with Jose. I can't imagine them being their manager next season. To be I, honest. I, I think then the question becomes is I don't think he, coaches in the premier league ever again yeah does he coach anywhere ever again yeah that's a that's a good question i'd miss him though he's so entertaining i don't like him but i would miss him bread is bread and cheese is cheese nate bread is bread is cheese cheese um a manager that i that i do i do respect and i want to get your feet your thoughts on this leicester city had an interesting situation happen um, last weekend, Madison Chowdhury, a couple other guys, uh, went to a party. Um, and apparently Rogers had already told them, I don't know if he explicitly said, don't go to the party, but he'd already kind of warned the team, like behave be on your best behavior. These guys went to this party and, uh, he benched them. He benched them all. None of them played. Um, and they lost. They're obviously in a battle for Champions League position right now. They're in third place. They lost to West Ham, the fourth place team. They could have used all of those players, obviously. It was a big match, and he benched them. Uh, Chris, what's your take on that? Good decision, bad decision? It's so tough. It's so tough to, I know we don't know all the information, but right. the limited information we know. I, I think it's hard for me to separate the dad in me. Totally. Sport fan in me, the dad in me goes, that's an amazing decision to stick by that, to punish your players in that way. And I think your ship going forward is going to sail a whole lot smoother as a result. Totally. The fan in me says you bench two of your better players in a potential must-win match against another team that's nipping at your heels. Um, you got some giant balls to do that. So yeah. the dad in me goes, mad props. And if I were a Leicester fan, I would be like, well, shit. Yeah. I mean, here's the thing. You always have to consider it. We have – this is a work situation, but um, – there's a work situation I was talking about with my team recently. And I told them I would rather punish someone for breaking the rules than, or lose someone. Like we were talking about some supporters. I work for a nonprofit and we're talking about potentially like making supporters uh, mad. And I said, I would rather make a supporter who didn't, follow through with something they said they were going to do. I'd rather make them mad than make someone mad who did follow through with what they said they were going to do. And so when I look at like coaching a team or leading a group of people, to me, it's like, yeah, the team is probably like frustrated 
and they're maybe even frustrated at Madison and, and Chowdhury and the other guys, but um, I would rather make, I'd rather like make the guys who broke the rule mad rather than the guys who obeyed the rule. Right. Cause if you, that's when you start losing guys who say, dude, I've been obeying the rules this whole time. I'm freaking sacrificing for my, like for this team, I don't get to see my family or X, Y, and Z. Like I've been going home every night making sacrifices so, so I, I think it's the right decision. I think it, it, you know, it's disappointing if you're a Lester fan, but, um, but probably the right decision. Here's the last point I want to make. And this is why I think Brendan Rogers is a freaking man. And this is like one of the best, this statement to me is like the anti Jose. He, he kept reiterating. He said, listen, these are good lads. This is not their identity. And that to me, someone who's, who, who understands that the mistakes you make don't have to define you, but actually like you can speak their true identity to someone that to me is like super powerful leadership. And when he said that, I'm like, this guy, this guy's a freaking stud. And I would take Brennan Rogers as my manager, hands down. I think, I think what he did, I think he's a great leader. And this, this little instance um, to me is like a perfect encapsulation of that. Yeah. I think that's a great point. Um, It's almost like the opposite of what we talked about last week with the commentators talking about Obama Yang, not being a serious footballer. It's almost almost the exact opposite of that, of them, you know, Rogers, these are my guys and this is not who they are. Yeah. What you do is not necessarily who you are. People make mistakes. Um, and he even made, I mean, he was very clear. The question that the, what was fascinating to me is he clearly wanted to talk about it. He wasn't avoiding it. He didn't share all the details, but the, the, the interviewer asked him, did, uh, how did not having them affect the game? And he kind of skipped over that and just talked about like his decision-making so he, he wanted to talk about it. He wanted to make, make a point about it. And, and I think it was, I think it was the right one and hopefully it doesn't, I really hope, really hope it doesn't cost them a champions league spot in, in the long run. So we don't have Kyle with us, Chris. Um, hang on, hang on, oh, hang on. I got, yeah. I got one before we get to Kyle, I got one more thing I want to throw out there and we didn't talk about this at all. This is not in our notes. We texted about it. Um, but you threw out earlier, does West Brom have a chance? We looked at West Brom and looked at Fulham. There was a result this week that caused me to get a little interested. It caused me to get a little excited, I would say. And that was the fact that Manchester City lost to Leeds United over the weekend. And it was a loss probably nobody really saw coming. It was at Manchester City, Leeds ten man leads ten men in the second half, and they score in like the ninety third minute as the game's expiring to win. It was awesome. That was fantastic. And then United went out and got three points at Spurs. And I'm doing the math, and I know, I know it is so unlikely still, but with a game in hand. United 
can potentially pull within eight points with five games to go. City needs 10 points to seal the deal. If they get 10 points either on their own or United not picking up three every week, they just need 10 points in those combinations. Let me ask you this, Nate. What's more likely? West Brom or Fulham get out of the relegation zone or United somehow catches City? West What's Brom more or likely? West Brom, or, West Brom or Fulham. And here's why. Okay. Not, not because they're good or because Manchester United is bad. It's just the, the quality of Manchester City to have them drop off that much is going to be that is I have way more faith. I guess maybe the better way to say it is I have way more faith in man city playing well over the last six matches or whatever, however many they have than I do Brighton Burnley Newcastle playing well. Right. Like it feels, it feels like it feels like West Brom or Fulham could pull a couple games out of their ass and Newcastle could fall apart. That that all that whole scenario seems way more likely than Man U getting three points every match, which they could do. They they have that quality certainly. But the bigger thing is City not getting ten. I mean that's that's a much steeper that's a much steeper climb. And again, it has to do more with Man Man City's quality and the the challenge of winning your last six or seven matches for, for Manchester United. That's, that's, that's tough. Especially when you finish against like such a tough team, like wolves, you know? So, <laughs> um, so I, I agree with you. I agree with you a hundred percent. I think it's more likely that one of those teams climbs out. The reality is probably neither of those situations is going to happen. Yep. Um, but it's fun as a United fan to think about. For sure. And especially because, you know, we talked about it early in the season. We just want to chase for the cup, right? Yeah. It's not fun when a Liverpool runs away by 25 points or whatever it was. Um, so for there to be like a slight, sh- just a, like a slight, slight glimmer cracking through the door, it, it's a little fun to entertain. Um, and I, I, you know, United's end schedule certainly sets up that they could pull this off. They need three points every week. Every time they play final seven matches, you need all 21 points. And then you have to hope that city draws here and there or takes a surprising loss against Leeds. But United plays Burnley, Leeds, Liverpool, Villa, Leicester, Fulham, and Wolves. That's not a murderer's row of a schedule. You could look at that schedule and say there's two tough games. They could potentially pull that off but it's the city aspect that has to help. And that I just don't see. Happening. And city city plays Villa crystal palace, Chelsea, tough Newcastle, Brighton, Everton. I mean, if city had a much, I would feel way different if city had a tougher schedule and they still had to play United again, if that, if there was still the Manchester Derby on the docket, then that, that would make me feel a lot different about it, but it's just, I think it's too much. Yeah. And I, and again, I agree. It's just, it's fun that there might of be course. a glimmer a little. Of course. Maybe and there is, tiny. I think there's a little glimmer, but it's very, very tiny. Yes. Very tiny. Anyways, let's get to Kyle. Let's get to Kyle. So 
before we get to Kyle's audio recording, um, I want to talk about a couple of things. We're going to make a little bit of prediction. Chris and I are going to make our predictions on who we think he drops to reveal his final four. I, I think it's gotta be, I think for Neverton for Neverton has to go. Um, the four ever 10 is gone. I think it's going to be for Neverton. They just, that match today was, was pretty bad. Um, and I can't, I can't see him. I can't see him picking him. Not that it's based on week to week, but Wolves got a result. United obviously played great. Chelsea played great. Leeds with a great upset. Arsenal with a great win. Um, and Everton just has kind of floundered. I don't, I don't see him. I don't see him keeping Everton. And then I think, I think he drops Wolves. I think he drops Wolves and Everton and leaves uh, United, Chelsea, Leeds, and Arsenal. Interesting. I think maybe Kyle watched the Everton game today, and that's why he's sick. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, can't, we can't discount that right now. We don't know for sure what's going on with Kyle. The only thing I can think of was – he watched Everton's game and feels like garbage. So I agree. I think Everton's gone. Here is where I'm going to surprise. I think, I think Kyle loves his friends that he would rather us feel stabbed in the heart on the last day than tomorrow. And so I think Wolves and Man U are safe. I think he's more likely to eliminate Man U than Wolves. But I think Arsenal is going to get the boot this week. Yeah, I think that's I, that's probably – that would be my next guess. I think to me – and I, well, I don't know. I, I think with Chelsea's resurgence, I think Chelsea – well, I think I think weeks ago Chelsea was almost gone for him. I but with Pulisic now starting to play again and play well, um, I think he's going to have to make. I think he's taking another deeper look at Chelsea. Um, knowing Kyle, he wa- he wants to be. I think he wants to be a Chelsea fan, but <laughs> but Pulisic is a key component in that. So yes, I. I- we've talked about it all season privately that we both have said for a really long time. I I've, I've felt it was a, a race between Chelsea and Leeds. Yeah. And, and that, that could be that very well could still be it. Um, there. Yeah. I mean, everything, the boxes get checked by Chelsea yeah. more so than anyone left, um, you know, and especially with, captain christian playing how he is right now i mean he looked phenomenal this weekend yeah obviously had a brace so that that helps yeah. um the only thing i'm kind of hoping out holding out hope on is those chelsea kids are so terrible that are coming next he year he doesn't maybe. hate them though i know which, which may be him tipping his hand a little bit yeah. if we're honest that's true he's already uh, a homer yeah because look i'm a nike guy i love nike i love nike apparel we've talked about it i don't yeah. i'm not 
any one brand specific. If you make something cool, props to you. I'll support it. I like it. I like cool. I don't limit myself on what's out there. So, uh, but it goes the other way too. A, a brand like Nike, who I love and care about and love their stuff, I can look at their stuff and go, that's trash. And totally. I can look at those Chelsea leaks. And if those are real, those are trash. Those are trash. I agree. <laughs> And with that, let's go ahead and take a listen to Kyle's final four. All right, boys. I am sorry that I couldn't make the pod in person today, but I have been agonizing over the six remaining clubs, trying to whittle it down to a top four. And it has been excruciating. These are six clubs that I really enjoy watching, really enjoy learning about, and even picking one or two uh, to to get rid of and whittle down to the top four has been much, much harder than I ever anticipated. And so I needed a little extra time to make sure that I was going over everything I could, looking over every detail, every player, every scenario, to make sure that the choice I made today was the correct one. So the goal here is to take it down from six clubs to four. As a reminder, the six clubs that are remaining in competition to be the club that I select at the end are, as of now, Arsenal, Wolves, Everton, Leeds, Chelsea, and Man U. So which will it be? We're going to knock out two clubs today, set up the final four where we will go through the next few weeks and knock off one at a time until we get down to the club that I select as my Premier League club going forward. All right, so here it is. Drum roll, please. I'm going to start off with a club that I am eliminating from competition. So this club will no longer be in the running. This is a club that, uh, again, all these clubs, it was just such a hard choice, but this is a club that I really enjoyed. Um, I love their kits. I love their history. I love some of their current players. I think this is a club that could be a lot of fun in the years ahead. Uh, But for whatever reason, they just did not draw my attention, did not draw my curiosity, did not draw my fandom as much as the other clubs that I have remaining. So it is my heartfelt oh it's so hard to do this but i just got to pull off the band-aid don't i my apologies to obama yang and the rest of the arsenal club but you have been eliminated Mm, that one hurts sorry titus all right so that leaves five remaining we have man u chelsea leeds Everton, and Wolves. Here's what I'm going to do next. I am going to call out three 
three of the four, I'm going to call it three of the four clubs that are safe, safe from elimination this week. We are going to start off with none other than Captain America Zone, Chelsea FC. How could I eliminate Chelsea in a week where Captain America, Christian Pulisic, went off for two beautiful goals, almost had a third as well. There is no chance this week that Chelsea could be eliminated. Captain America lives. Chelsea forever. Chelsea, you are safe. The next club that is safe from elimination. Again, how could I eliminate this club after such a huge week? Conquering the Giants with only 10 players on the pitch. Are you kidding me? One of the craziest matches of the year. Leeds. Leeds. You are safe. You're moving into the top four leads. Congratulations on your big win against Man City. All right. What other club is going to be safe and into the top four? This club. I don't want to pick you. I want to resist you. I want to turn the other way. But you just keep drawing me to the dark side. You keep drawing me to the dark side. Like Darth, like like Anakin Skywalker was drawn to the Sith dark side. Man, you is drawing me in. I can't resist it. Their powers are too great. Man, you. Man, you. Despite, despite what I know is best for me. You're in the top four, man, you. Oh, man. And so that leaves Wolves and Everton. Oh, man. I love both these clubs, but only one can go on. Only one can go on. Which is it going to be? Wolves. You're Nate's club. You're one of my, you know, he's one of my best friends. I love so much about you. You have great kits. Adame Traore is just built like the mini rock. I love him. I love watching. Out of darkness rises light. I love that message. But then Everton. For Everton, I should say. For Everton. You're just... You're like this broken down, beat up house that nobody wants to live in. It's an eyesore in the neighborhood. It, it, you maybe, it used to be great when it was built, but it has just become unlivable. Except it has great bones. You know that if the right HGTV show got in there, it could flip it. And it could restore it to its beauty. And so that hope remains. Oh, this decision is so, so tough. At the end of the day, at the end of the day, there's no reason I should be picking this club. Like I said, they're a penny stock worth no value. They are a beaten down junker of a car. They're a house that has absolutely been 
gutted. And yet, I can see it. I can see through all of the ugliness. I can see that potential, that greatness that lives inside of you. And for that hope, for that chance to be part of a reclamation project, Everton, I choose you in the top four. Wolves, Nate, oh, it pains me. It pains me to eliminate you. But you know what? Your voice, your presence will live on in this podcast. Thanks to Nate. And I and I, I hope one day I live to even regret this. I, I wish nothing but the best for you, Wolves. But there's my top four. Everton leads the two smaller clubs, the two clubs that used to find greatness but have the hope of restoring that one day, and then Chelsea and Man U, the two powerful, mighty, big six clubs. Oh, man, I think we got a great mix in the top four. I'm excited. It's going to be so hard to pick and eliminate from here on out. But there it is, Kyle's top four. Um, we wanted to wait, like, while we're on Pulisic, we should just talk about him. A brace, great goal into the top of the net. His first one. I mean, both were just great strikes. Thunderous, I know, powerful. I don't know if you saw, but he had almost an identical goal at Crystal Palace last year. Oh, really? I'll, ha- I'll, I'll pull it up on Twitter. And I'll, I'll tag you in it. It's Was funny. Crystal Palace his hat trick? I don't remember. He had that three goal. He had the natural hat trick, right? Left, right, and head. Yeah. 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 Um, but Pulisic's back. Obviously, he's worked his way into the starting lineup. I mean, weeks ago, it looked like he was gone. I mean, the rumors were that he was going to maybe go back to Germany. He wasn't getting any starting time. He had the hamstring injury where it looked like he was done. And then he played in the champions league match um, scored last week to this week. He's a game changer when he's healthy. And I just hope for his sake, um, he stays healthy. Um, but it's good to have some, some Americans talk about again, including Robinson, Anthony Robinson looked pretty solid for, for Fulham. Um, so Let's let's hope we get some more Americans out there. That actually leads us to um, a little championship talk. Yeah, baby. Um, I was hoping to introduce Kyle to some of these teams, so we might have to come back around to it later. But um, there's uh, the championship season is coming to a close as well. Five, six games out there still to be played um premier league teams norwich and watford are in the one two position former premier league teams that we both we both watched norwich with the infamous timu puki who we both loved last year and watford who both of us almost chose um that finished really high i and i think both of us so so thankful um 
that we didn't, we didn't choose them. They're, they're in the one, two positions for the automatic promotion. And then it seems to be a five team race for the final four uh, playoff spots between Brentford, Swansea city, Barnsley, Reading, and Bournemouth. So um, out of those five teams, only Bournemouth was up recently as, as recently as last year. Brentford, Swansea, Barnsley, and Reading, uh, the other teams, which I'm all about seeing new teams in the Premier League, so I'd love for any of those teams to make it. But there's one team I really want to make it, and that is Barnsley. And the reason is because they have Daryl DK, who is a monster. He's an American and is a goal-scoring machine. He came, came into Barnsley uh, in January. And I think since he, since he joined Barnsley, he scored like eight or nine goals. Seems like every time they play, he scores. Um, so I am pulling for Barnsley to add another American to the stable. I like it. Um, I'm also glad that you pronounce his name because there's a thousand percent chance he was getting called Daryl Dyke by me. Oh, I think I called him that last week or two weeks ago. I didn't know until Okay. This last week, I, I definitely mispronounced his name a couple of weeks ago. All right. Well, I'm glad we're in that same boat. I, uh, I'll be honest. I could care less about Watford coming back to the, to the league. Um, I'm excited to have Norwich city come back up because of my love for Tamu Puki. Um, and I don't know why, but I, it's just something about their name that I just enjoy Swansea, for whatever reason, is a club that anytime I hear about them, I'm just like, dude, it'd be cool. Why not have Swansea up there? Maybe that's Daniel James coming from them. I mean, they've had good talent come through their club. Well, they've, and they've been, been they've been a traditional Premier League team right. okay. um, over the years, so they they've spent quite a few. There's only a handful of teams outside of like the top six that I'd ever heard of before I started following Premier League, and Swansea was one of them. Yeah. I mean, lately they've been a feeder team, right? Like they've been feeding talent into the Premier League as opposed to them making it to the Premier League. So yep. it'd be cool. Um, I'm I'm going to join the Barnsley bandwagon though with you because I love to see DK come up. Be Man, awesome. what, it was funny. Um, going back to my family, not knowing anything about football and we, watching the Man United game at my sister's house last week, them being like, can you, did you hear the United States didn't make the Olympics again? I'm like, well, yeah, you don't know what you're talking about, but yes, you're right. They didn't, it's a whole different system for the Olympics than the national team. That's not actually the national team that plays those games. I'm like our national team for the first time ever is legitimately stocked with good young talent not just one guy like we always had our Landon Donovan or we had our Clint Dempsey uh we had Tim Howard you know we always had like one guy that we could like throw our hat on his one name but like this team actually has good young players across the board it's something that we can actually be excited about going forward um and explaining that to my family was you know like explaining it to my dog so it went totally. really well which we were those dogs a couple of years ago. We just now out. finally are understanding. <laughs> um, performance of the week. We got to give it to Christian Pulisic, two goals. He's playing great. Plus he's an American. We've got to, we got to give it to him. 
<laughs> like there was ever any doubt. Um, assist of the week. I'm going to say two, uh, mostly cause I can't tell if my first ones because it was wolves, but Silva's through ball to Treore and the importance of it. So it was a great through ball. Um, but also it was super important. So, um, I thought Silva Silva's assist to Treore was, was pretty great, but the other one was Sabios had this little, uh, back heel flick to Lacazette in the Arsenal match that that was pretty sweet I'm not sure if you saw that one I didn't see that one yet um I'll throw out the Mason Greenwood to Cavani header his cross was unreal it was it was just a thing of beauty and I don't know what it is about Cavani man that guy just knows how to dive and head a ball like no one I've ever seen he's got yeah he's a ball hawk he's it's amazing yeah, and, and like I think I saw some stuff afterwards. I don't I don't know if it was Ole or someone commentating on it, but they were talking about how he's he's just the number nine that this team hasn't had in, in recent years who just understands how to make runs and then get after the ball. Yeah. So it's been enjoyable. Yeah. I, I have to ask, is Pogba's hair new? Is that new? <laughs> he he's been changing it up all season. So but is it, but is it new this week? Like that hairstyle. I think so. Cause he was going with the Mohawk, the golded out Mohawk. So he yeah. like where the ends were, were, were bleached. And now it's kind of like uh fro. Yeah. With, with the bleach ends. It looks so great. Yeah. I'm commenting on it. Cause I freaking loved yeah. it. I saw it and I was like, yes, dude, I love that hair. Yeah. And it's great because like he can almost do no wrong with his hair. Like he just kind of has that style and that presence where it's just like, Oh man, you look good in that. Um, but it's fun when he's playing so well and looking so good at the same time. That just makes you go like, give him the deal. Keep him around. We need him. I know when he, when he plays good and he plays hard, he looks great. He's so strong out there. He's so strong. I think, I think we've talked about it before, but his presence on the pitch when he's working hard, really reminds me of LeBron like when LeBron's like muscling a guy up and like going after it he just I watched him make a run where he kind of ran into the box and just like muscled his way around a defender and I've just seen it so it's been so few and far between and I really haven't watched a lot of United matches this year and I know he's shown himself to be a little better this year than previous years but yeah, he's finally at the point where I understand why, like, older United fans are like, no, 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 you don't understand. You, I love Pogba. I'm, I get it now. I, yeah. I truly get it. He's been fantastic this year. If you, what you need to do is watch the highlight of the Mason Greenwood goal at the end of Sunday's game. I because, saw that. Okay, because Pogba breaking away, the dribbling command while he breaks away from his defender and kind of – shields them off to create separation while still dribbling back and forth between left and right. And then the pass over to Greenwood, it was just like, Holy, this guy can do everything. He really can do everything. Yeah. He's, he's a stud. Yeah. So all right, let's lock lock it in review. Uh, I closed the gap on Chris this week. I took Liverpool over Villa to run my record to 18 and 13. Chris, you took City over Leeds. No fault in that, but it does drop you to 18 and 12. You still have a game in hand. Um, and 
Kyle had Chelsea over Crystal Palace to bring him above 500, 16 and 15. Chris, what is the game? What's the match we're still waiting on to get you back even? Do you know? Uh, it is like Villa Everton it, or some. Yeah, it's Aston Villa. I picked Aston Villa over. It's late. I'm trying to find it. It's okay. Yeah, but, I know I picked Aston no. <laughs> All right. Well, we, we got to remember it when it comes across, but it might be crystal palace. It might be Ooh, that, that, that pick held up well, <laughs> but I don't know a hundred percent if that's actually the thing I'll have to we'll, go. Back we'll and go look. back through and the, the yeah. show notes and find it. And also I'll be honest, I will take the dropping of the point to you for a city loss. In that's, fact, smart. that's smart. I was hoping to pick city again and hope they would lose again. And I would drop further and be happy with that, but they have an off week. So yeah, I can't- well this, yeah, this week's interesting because um, FA cup semifinals are this weekend. And so there are premier league teams playing. Um, I forget actually who it is city, Chelsea, Southampton and Leicester maybe. I forget who the FA Cup semis are, but I should have done that research. So because of that, we have a short week, which makes it tough when you can't pick teams in the relegation zone. So we did not have a lot of matches to choose from, did we, Chris? But who did nope. you take? I'm taking my boys. I'm taking United over Burnley. Um, confident in that pick. United needs to win out. And if they're going to have any slight hope going forward. So starts with a, a win this week over Burnley and Kyle called that one too. He's taken United over Burnley as well. He is. We had him phone it in. Um, I, on the other hand, I like that pick, but I'm taking West Ham over Newcastle. Um, West Ham's playing great. Newcastle isn't playing horrible, but I'm still taking them uh, to win. And I was right about the FA cup semifinals. It's Chelsea man city on Saturday, Leicester, Southampton on Sunday. So should be some fun games to watch. Well, at least Chelsea man city, that should be a fun match to watch. Um, but in the premier league, I think two matches stand out to me. Um, Everton spurs, they're battling for kind of some final spots in uh Europe so that that match matters and then Leeds Liverpool I Leeds is just such a fun team to watch and Liverpool scoring again and so um I think I think that has the potential to be a 4-3 matchup 5-2 4-3 yeah I think you're right I think Everton Spurs is only fun because of the standings um, neither squad playing fun football, if you will. Um, but yeah, Leeds Liverpool should be a good one to watch. Yeah. Um, that's all I got though. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Yeah. I'm with you. I don't even think I have anything to add this week. Kyle, we missed you. How about that? We missed you by now. The fans know who the final four are, but at time of recording, we still don't. So I'm looking forward to finding out. I feel like you should edit. Like we should be like, man, I can't believe Kyle eliminated. And then you're like Liverpool or whoever. 
Everton. Wolves. <laughs> we'll just say all all six teams he has left. Yeah. You can edit in who. And I'll just edit in. We nailed it. Totally. That's so funny. All right, man. We'll see you next cool. week. All right, brother. Have a good night, my friend. Later.